Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Today on the Online Choir Podcast, Jay Lehman will talk some Illini football, but we're going to do it in a little bit different of a way. No game to recap or react to this week. We still wanted to get plenty of Jay Lehman. So I talked to him for an hour, but I asked him your questions. I got a few questions in early about Illinois football, just uh, kind of resetting as we get ready for the final four games for a 3-5 and five football team. Certainly a disappointing record for Illinois. But dive into your questions for Jay Lehman. Some of them macro for Illinois football, some of them very micro for this season. Uh, but then we get into some stories with Jay. And uh, some of the highlights includes uh, an animal named Oski Bow Wow. Uh, some stories from Rantoul from the 2007 Rose Bowl season. The story behind the famous picture of him at Ohio State on his teammates' shoulders. We dive into that. This was a, this was great. This was a treasure. It's probably something we should do more often. Story time with Jay and things like that. But you guys brought the great questions, so I give you guys all the credit for that one. So we'll dive into it with Jay Lehman. We'll talk some football. And uh, before we get into that, just a, a few highlights uh, from today. I'm recording this part of the podcast after Brett Bielma's press conference today. Uh, he's still got refs top of mind. The refs are very much top of mind for him, and he brought up not only Johnny Newton's targeting because – like most, when he saw that the Iowa player who was called for targeting uh, was overturned and that they, he is now eligible, not suspended, that raised an eyebrow for Brett Bielma. So he tried to exhaust every avenue he could to try and continue to appeal that, uh, but it was a decision that was final. Also, uh, he brought up the play at the end of the game, the game-winning touchdown for Wisconsin. Now, that was a legal play. There was nothing wrong with that play. 93 is an eligible number. And um, Brett Bielma's problem, though, was that that player was wearing Nolan Rucci, his number 66 on the roster. And he was wearing number 66 during warm-ups, Brett Bielma said. And usually, when they change jerseys, and you've seen this from time to time, Brett Bielma used the example of Zach Toby, who wears number 5. And when he plays kickoff and Caleb Griffin was kicking off, they had to change jerseys for Zach Toby. You can only have number one, one number 5 on the field at all times. So... When that happens, usually here, the referees say number five is now number 12 or whatever it is uh, on the kickoff team. Usually that happens as well, and usually the other team is made aware of who has changed numbers. That was not the case uh, when it came to Nolan Rucci. So Brett Bielma uh, went through a formal process with the Big Ten. He really didn't dive into details of what the results of that were, but 
he was upset about it. So officials in the Big Ten processes are still very top of mind for Brett Bioma. He sounded optimistic that Keith Randolph and Reggie Love would play, though he said they have been cleared to practice. Still got to see how they respond this week in practice. And, of course, Keith Randolph is very important given that Johnny Newton is out for a half of football. So if you don't have Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton against a Minnesota team that runs the ball extremely well, that could spell trouble. But to, to get Keith Randolph back would be obviously huge. And if you got him with Gabe Ackes potentially uh, on the defensive line, maybe you can make do until you get number four back and really chomping at the bit to get into this game. Uh, I think that would be massive if, if you can get those guys to, to get you into half in a competitive game and you get number four back and see what you can do once the uh, probably the best defender in the Big Ten. Alon Cooper DeGene's really good too. There's some really good defenders, but Johnny Newton's just a, a wrecking games. Just wrecking games right now. So not having for a half certainly, certainly hurts. Uh, also caught up with Aaron Henry, Barry Lunny, the off week, end of half situation certainly uh, were up there for Aaron Henry. And, and he came out and uh, he was pretty riled up about his team not being able to close. His defense not being able to close that game, Johnny Newton or not. He said that his team was feeling itself, and we got to learn that you have to play until there are three zeros on the clock, and that their team didn't do that, and that his side of the football did not do that. He said it reminded him of last year when the team started 7-1. They were feeling themselves, he said, and they forgot to finish the season and to finish it to get to the Big Ten championship game. Of course, there's a lot of new players on his side of the ball, especially in that back seven. Uh, so I think that's where he comes up. He, I asked him about the Tyler Strain play. And he said, we teach that. you got to go attack the football. He said, that's why we like wide receivers who we turn into DBs is because they know to go high point the football, and we weren't able to do that. But he said there's a lot of other plays out there in the field that they had plenty of chances and just weren't able to finish it. Uh, Barry Lunny. Uh, talked about offensive lines definitely improved. The quarterback certainly improved, but they just got to fix little things. And he said, hey, we didn't do our job in that fourth quarter either. So while it's seven quarters of you felt improved offensive football, they weren't able to make the plays in that fourth quarter. So I have the takeaways from all of that. But you didn't tune in for me for all those updates. You tuned in for Jay Lehman, who answers your Illini questions. And boy, it's good. That's coming up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. This episode of the Alana Inquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash and get on your way to being your best self. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Well, therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of working against yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule all you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and if you and that therapist don't mesh you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge so make your brain your friend again and give better help a try visit betterhelp.com slash today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash illini Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
All right, it's Monday. We had no game uh, last weekend for Illinois football, but that doesn't mean we're not going to talk with Jay Lehman. This one's going to be a fun one, Jay. Uh, we're basically letting our listeners, the fans out there, uh, take over the questioning part of this. So this is easy for me. Uh, so we're going to put you to work, though. I, I, mailbag I, I like it. And, and the fans are what make this stuff possible, right? And that's what makes everything so much fun. And you, you play and you do stuff like this for the fans. So let's get their questions answered. Well, before that, I want to ask you, Three and five, Illinois. This has been a very disappointing season to this point so far. Um, but what is the one thing you, I guess you're most concerned about after these eight games? Well, I'll give you my most concern. I think I'm most positive about it. The thing I'm most concerned is that I just um, – I, I thought going into the year that we were going to be a very, very stout up front, and uh, both offensively and defensively. At times, defensively, we've looked like that when Newton and Randolph have been healthy. Uh, that hasn't been a lot lately. Johnny has exceeded expectations. And Keith's played well when he's been healthy and in there. He's been banged up the last couple of weeks. I think the offensive line's been been the biggest disappointment. And also, I, I will also say the receiver room, other than Isaiah Williams, I feel like we thought we had some more guys in that room that were going to kind of take the next step. When you look at experience across the board on this football team, we knew the DBs and linebackers were really low on experience. We also knew that the running backs, uh, although you had some semi-veteran guys, not a ton of carries back there. McCray didn't play last year much. Reggie Love didn't play much except for the last game of the season. And Chase Brown was really the workhorse. I wasn't expecting a ton out of those, but I was expecting some on the lines and the receivers. So it would be said, if those are your two most experienced positions and you're only three and five, those positions haven't played as well as you thought they would. So that's probably my biggest disappointment. Yeah, and I was going to follow up, Jay. What what encourages you most, uh, I mean, especially with these last two games, right? Yeah, I, I think it's Luke Altmaier. I actually think he's the best quarterback in the West. I mean, it's a strong statement to make, but who are you going to trade him with? I think Hudson Carter, though, started with a bang and probably a more highly touted transfer portal target, both for the Illini and other people. Luke Altmaier has showed his moxie and his ability to make plays down the stretch. He's got two game-winning drives, okay? Without those two game-winning drives, we have one win. Quarterbacks are judged ultimately by wins and losses, how they play in the fourth quarter, how they take care of the football. Let's take out the Penn State game. Yeah, I had four picks. He played bad against Penn State. It was a bad game. This is still a guy who's uh, in single digits as far as games started in a career. Okay, so he is. we knew there'd be some learning curves. We can say that in the spring. It's just hard to go through it when you say, oh, this and oh, that. If we didn't do that, if we didn't do that. I think Luke Altmaier gives us a real chance uh, to build around a guy and to build a system around a guy for a long time. What he's done with his feet has been re remarkable. He's That's probably been the most pleasant surprise. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think, like I said, I think he's the best quarterback in the West. I don't think there's, there's a guy that's better. Maybe Tanner Mordecai was up there. Mordecai's been hurt the last two weeks. Um, I certainly don't think whatever quarterback's gone out for Iowa, Nebraska, uh, or, or Northwestern has been good. Caliak Manis has been average at best. And so you look at the West, and I think we, we're sitting pretty with a quarterback that gets two, has two more years of eligibility. Wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said right there. All right, uh, Jay, this four-game stretch, there's some opportunities. Like if Illinois fans want to be optimistic, they can see a path to sure. a bowl game here still. But I think it starts at Minnesota without Johnny Newton for the first half. Uh, Minnesota at three and two uh, in the Big Ten right now. What is the key to pulling off that win that I think might be necessary to get that get get to that Big Ten or get to that uh, bowl game? Yeah, so 
just a quick note here. You know, I'm a, I'm a Dick Van Dyke guy, and you know, I have a have my washing machine being worked on. So if you hear some rattling in the background, it's my washing machine that's being fixed up. So anyway, uh, sorry for the noise, guys. There's always lots yeah. of stuff going on Monday, but I think the key right here is um, is when you look at what Minnesota did in their previous game, um, where they uh, it wasn't Iowa. Who they just beat this week? Um, they beat, uh, not Nebraska. Um, they beat, who did Minnesota beat? Didn't they just beat Iowa? Yeah, it was Iowa, right? No, they beat Iowa the week before. Oh, okay. They ran for, oh, Michigan State. I'm sorry. So they, uh, I watched the game myself, but you watch enough games and you're talking to enough people. So I'm sorry. So, that, that's my fault. I took the week off of I'm, watching, I'm watching, I'm watching Okay. I'm watching Michigan State and Minnesota. I think it was, it was the afternoon game. And, um, you know they had they had uh, Jordan uh, Newbin, Tyler Newbin's brother, another Illinois transplant right out of St. Charles. Who, you know, we we didn't get obviously to come here, um, but he was a walk on. He ran for two hundred and four yards against Michigan State. Michigan State's not a great defense, and certainly they are trending down. They are on the longest ever losing streak for the Michigan State football Spartan team, which is pretty astounding. You think about the history of that program. Um, but what they did is he had 40 carries for 204 yards. He was the fourth string back, right? And that we, we, we could have Darius Taylor back and whatnot, but it always comes down to stopping the run because that is how they do the time of possession. They're all, oftentimes in their, in their games that they win, they have 40 minutes of time of possession to 20 minutes for the other team. Uh, if you look at the, what they did last year against Illinois, that script was really flipped. And the script honestly was that, Illinois had the ball for 40 minutes, roughly, and had a couple turnovers and whatnot, and mm-hmm. and and really dominated every facet of that game. Cadillac Manis actually got in that game, uh, I think, because Tanner Morgan took a hit during that game. But I think it always comes down to stopping the run. I don't think the Joe Rossi defense has been as good or as stout as last year, so they've been giving up more plays. They certainly have looked better against Iowa and Michigan State. Now, who doesn't look better against Iowa and Michigan State? But – the key is going to be the turnovers. They've really done well and they've gotten turnovers to run the football. If we can win those matchups, we'll do well. Yeah. It feels like a game, like if you get off to an early lead and force them to throw a little bit more, Jay, you got a better chance. I mean, that sounds easy every game, but uh, I mean, they do have the quarterback advantage. I would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I think Kelly Manis played probably his best game last week. He threw for 200. They, so they ran for 200 and they threw for 200. Most of that was in the first half. Michigan State really selling out to kind of stop the run. And then they, they just got wore out later on um, at Michigan State. And so Calic Manis, they have some weapons. So Daniel mm-hmm. Jackson is back-to-back 200, uh, back-to-back 100-yard games. Uh, Brevin Spanford at the tight end position, obviously a really solid tight end preseason All-American, has not produced the way they thought he would this year. Of course, Chris Altman-Bell on year eight. So you know how it goes. Hey, can, are you hearing a bunch of noise in the background? No, you're good. You're okay. Good. Gosh, no. I mean, it's – it's like, <laughs> I, I, I hear it a little bit. Okay, it's, sorry, it's guys, fake from our end. Well, as long as you guys can hear, it's the real life. This is live, guys. We don't church it up at all. I mean, it's like, come on, let's go. All right, Jay, let's get into these questions from uh, the listeners. And they sent some good ones. We'll start off with a little bit of Illinois football focus this season. Uh, and then we'll dive into some some good ones uh, about your time at Illinois and all of that. Sure. But yeah. here's uh, Alani Cohen says, probably been asked before, but what does Jay think of Bielman needs to, to right the ship here? Well, first and foremost, let's uh, thanks for the question, Illini Colin. I think. Yeah. Um, I would say this: we got four more games. 
the biggest thing to, 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 to write the ship is to win the last four games. I mean, if you do that, I don't think anybody has any complaints about you. All those games are certainly winnable. I think I was the toughest to win, but Iowa's offense has been horrific, guys, has been horrific. But some games are getting more difficult. I think Northwestern's getting more difficult. I think they're improving. Again, we tend to get teams on the back end when they're all ready to go, and sometimes we we kind of get worse as the season goes on. But um, I, that was the case last year. We we had I don't say we got worse, but we had some games we didn't necessarily follow through. The previous year we got better. But I would say these four games are the most important thing. Rather than let's get this recruit, let's do that, let's win the four games in front of us, or win three games and get to a bowl game. Everything else will become easier when you win. If you win recruiting. You know, keeping coaches, all that stuff becomes way easier. What do you think is the difference for recruiting if it's a four-win season or a six-win season? I think that's a good question. Um, here's the deal. I think you want to be able to sell sustained success. Listen, other than the first year where we missed a bowl game by one game, we won a bowl game every year, okay? Now, we're not where we need to be. But that's why I'm talking to you, because you're the guy that's going to help us get there, right? And you pitch it like that. That's how you do it. Where I, what, what I don't want to see is, hey, we go four wins. It's like we, we, we had eight wins last year. We had four wins. I don't want to go on a train that's going the wrong direction. And so I think it does make a difference. Um, I think it makes a difference, too, when you're competing against a lot of schools, uh, that you're getting beat by. So you got beat by Nebraska. We're, we compete with Nebraska for recruits. Uh, Purdue, right? Uh, Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin, all those teams we recruit against. And so it's not only that, but it's the head, head-to-head matchups, Indiana sometimes, head-to-head matchups, and also where are we at in the conference. All right, Tim asks, does Barry Lonnie's system work with the type of offensive line, especially tackles, road graders, that Brett Bioma and Bart Miller recruit? Secondly, does it seem like Brett Bioma is forcing his style on Barry Lonnie versus what Lonnie wants to do? Okay, great question. Uh, I'll start with the second question because that's kind of more uh, kind of a macro picture, and the first one's kind of a micro picture. So um, every head coach forces their system on the offensive coordinator to some degree. I, I truly believe that. I'll give you Iowa, for example. Iowa had Ken O'Keefe for years, probably the first 13 or 14 years under Kirk Ferentz, and the offense looked largely like it does right now under Brian Ferentz. They did have a four- or five-year segment there where they brought in Greg Davis from Texas, highly touted offensive coordinator. Mac Brown's offensive coordinator for the uh, 2005 National Championship team with Vince Young. Uh, had some explosive offense is with Colt McCoy. Those were largely pass-happy zone read throw it all over the yard. When Greg Davis came to Iowa, there was none of that. It was zone left, zone right, boot left, boot right, right? So was he influenced by Ferentz? Absolutely, 100%. Um, Was Brett Bielema influenced by, you know, Barry Alvarez and took a lot of that stuff from him? Yes, I would would say 100%. So um, obviously Brett was a defensive corner under that. So Mm -hmm. yes, I do believe there's always an influence because – the head coach, remember this, is the chief game manager, right? And so if you're the chief game manager, you can't go and throw it all over the yard and have 14-second drives and kick it kick it away when you want to be a ball control, time of possession, complimentary football team. You just can't do that. So there, there is always, not just with Brett, in the vast majority of times, at the collegiate level especially, there is going to be a head coach style that is – a flavor of the offensive coordinator. Okay. So number one, number two, 
do these tackles uh, uh, work? Here's the deal. I, I, we've said this. Isaiah Adams is not the ideal tackle. I think he's an ideal guard. Mm-hmm. I think he's done admirably, especially the last three or four games, in learning how to play tackle. And honestly, I think it makes him more versatile at the, at the, at the next level to get a roster spot because he could go to multiple positions along the line. I actually, Julian Pearl, I don't necessarily see him as a road grader. I see him more as athletic and, and long. I don't see him as a road grader. I think he is a tackle that works in the system. I think in general, you want tackles that are long and athletic. In most positions, you want that, right? Long, athletic, that can move their feet. I'm not sure. Uh, I think for I think for Barry Lenny's system, that's going to throw the ball more than a traditional maybe Wisconsin run happy. Yes, we need a little bit more athletic tackles. I don't think Julian – I think Julian Pearl fits that bill, though. I think he is athletic. I think Isaiah Adams is there by default because of the lack of depth. And I'm – I think Brand is it Brandon Henderson, the guy yeah. that's most. I think he's probably the future at tackle and what they're looking to do. Um, so right now, what you're seeing, and this is this is kind of maybe we'll answer some other questions too, is not a complete picture of what you want it to look. Obviously, we're three and five, but as far as the guys in certain positions that we want to be there. Great answer. Uh Harold asks. I think we need to use our speedy freshman receivers, LZ, Wiltshire, Moore. This would add a whole other dimension to our offense. It would make us play less conservative. What do you think? Okay, that's a good question. Um, you know, LZ obviously has the look of it. Wiltshire was highly touted in the spring and in fall camp. The reality is, is you're only going to have two, maybe three receivers in the game at one time. So if you're going to put LZ and Wiltshire in, the question is, who do you who do you take out? Who are you okay taking out? Are you okay taking Isaiah Williams? Well, no, 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 not Isaiah Williams. He's the most productive guy. Okay, so are you okay taking out Casey Washington, who's maybe our most experienced and probably the best hands? Well, okay, we'll do Casey Wally. We'll put LZ in for that. Okay, well, LZ doesn't have as good a hands, at least in the game, uh, as Casey Washington. Are you willing to take a drop or two? Okay, Wiltshire. We took Wiltshire out for Pat Bryant, because we don't want to put Wiltshire in for Isaiah Williams, even though Wiltshire is more of a slot receiver like Isaiah Williams, then take Pat Bryant. Now my now I've got two lip, I got no size on the football field, right? So I got no big receiver on the outside with Pat Bryant. So I get that we want to get reps in there, but mm-hmm. when we want to be a one, two, maybe three tight end team as well, and we got to have a running back on the field, guys, there's only five skilled players that we can get out there. So there's six if you include a quarterback, but five linemen and five skilled players and a quarterback. So who are they going to take a spot? If you're a freshman and you want to take someone's spot, you've got to be better than them at every facet of the game, okay? Or exceptional at one facet. We saw that with do span with speed and whatnot to get in a couple reps. But if you're even with it with the veteran, you're not actually going to play usually. They're going to give the veteran the benefit of the doubt unless they're just doing a wholesale youth movement and say, hey, let's get the young guys on the field. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I get it. I, I'd like to see a little bit more of Malik Elzey, the shiny new toy, or Kanari Wilcher. Like, they right. need that speed. Like, they could use that speed, but what about blocking? What about running the right routes? Right. That leads to interceptions because Luke Altmaier sure. throws it where so, – like, those are the things, I guess, fans or from outsiders – like, the coaches play who they trust and who they think is going to help them win, right? Like, Jay, like, so that, that's right. the hard part of this. Well, it, it all rolls downhill. Like, you run a wrong route and throws a pick, now everybody's mad at Barry Lunny. We should be mad at you. But they, they got to take owners. So it's, 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 can I trust you to do the right thing? And it's just super hard to build trust in critical situations because they're going to put the guys they trust in on critical situations. So when you get a chance to make a play and you've got to come down with it. Now, I will say, I, and 
I, I, I don't know what he does. Other than, I've been impressed by what I've seen from Ashton Hollis. He's a one guy who does get mentioned a ton, but when he's in there, I've seen him make plays and be Johnny on the spot. Yeah. All right. Tech S. What is your ideal line for this team and why? Well, I don't know if there's an ideal with this team tech. Um, I think they've gotten better. Um, so anyway, I think Josh Cruz is going to be a, um, a good center. So I, I don't know if you're saying ideal with who we have now or, you know, build it out in the future, but I'll do both. So, um, Great. you know, I think Josh Cruz is going to be a good center. He's obviously your best player, right? I think Zy Chrysler, if he can practice and stay healthy has shown last year. And if you look at the last two games this year, he can play. Like he's he's a good player. And the other thing, Jay, is when he's not playing and someone else is playing in front, you say, "Oh, Zach Chrysler isn't that bad." <laughs> like, I mean, guys, guard, I mean, right? These guys are out here for a reason, right? So yeah. I hate to be the ideal line is that my starters are the people they put out there, but it is what it is, right? I think, I think, I in an ideal world, I would love to find a right tackle that could, you know, play for Isaiah Adams again. Not because I think Isaiah is a bad right tackle; I just think he's more natural guard. And I'd love to be a, be have us be able to get. When I went into the season, I thought, "Hey, behind Julian Pearl, behind Isaiah Adams, we got a yard on short yep. yardage. Per, you know, that's what we can count on. We haven't been able to count on that uh, largely because they've been moved around a lot. We haven't had a great push on that. And I think Julian Pearl would be there. I think you got Geski and Whitenack, and uh, there's one other guy that's gotten some reps, Jordan Slaughter. That's that's kind of who you, who's been in there. There might have been one other guy in there, maybe Barliv. Um, has gotten a, a few here and there, but I guess that's the ideal line. If, if I talk about what is my ideal line for you know this team moving forward, uh, ideally it looks like this. Most great great O lines have some, you know, undersized, maybe not undersized. Your always undersized guys will be your center usually, but a center that can reach block that has the speed to reach a nose line. So if the nose is lined up on the you know left of the center, can he use his left the you know his left leg to get his head around on the other side of that tackle on the zone play. So can can your can your center reach block and can he be stout on the pocket? Remember, on the fan shape of the pocket, he has to be the most stout. Okay. Yeah. Which and Doug then, Kramer was great at both those things. At, at both those, right? The reach and you know, so you got to be able to reach block and you got to be able to be stout. And and it goes without saying we sometimes we forget about this. We haven't had a ton of bad snaps, okay? I I can't stand what Wisconsin center snaps. They just look bad. They look slow. They look um, like they're, they're not they're not snap back fast. They're often low. Oftentimes it messes up the timing. They got to get that fixed out, Wisconsin. But I, I share that as a as a as a way as a reference point. Like we haven't had a lot of snap problems, and I think you forget about it. It's like it's like referees. You forget about them when you know you feel like they're doing a good job. They're the main thing when you feel they're not doing a good job, right? So. Something about the guard position, you're usually going to want road graders, right? You're usually going to want bigger guys, stronger guys. Maybe they lack space and ability to move, maybe as, as well as maybe a tackle, but they still need to be able to pull, right? Because you're going to have them pulling around the guard and whatnot. And tackles, they probably need to be the most athletic. Uh, they've got to block edge rushers, um, and they've got to have an ability to be uh, stout, but also be able to to move as far as pull and 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 get their um, get their feet uh, in proper alignment and be able to get depth and stay low. I mean, hey, get that kick slide back and stay low. That's kind of the ideal. You, you'd want to tackle that's 
that's in the, the reason you want to tackle taller is because you're able to get more weight on him, right? Mm -hmm. If he's 6'5", 6'6", you can get him to 320, 330. If he's only 6'2", it's going to be hard to get him above 300 without looking fat and maybe decreasing his mobility. Right. Yeah, so like next year, I think Brandon Henderson, Josh Geske at the left side, Henderson maybe at left tackle. That's a big, that's a big jump for him, so we'll see if he can do it. Josh Crutes at center. And I would imagine Chrysler, Whitenack, and a transfer, Jay. Like sure. that, that on the right side, kind of your road graders over there. Yeah, Juco, um, Juco or transfer portal for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right, Jay. Um, State asks, we saw really good retention last season, very few transfers. Obviously, still a lot in front of them for the season, but how does the staff address retention after a more an up and down season? I'll say Brett Buma with NIL. That has been his focus, is, is retention. I thought it was the right play. I'd, I'd rather have Johnny Newton than some random transfer coming in and playing that spot. Right, right. I, I, it's just – I was talking about this with guys in the um, – guys at, at the Big Ten Network. It's sad because everybody kind of has their team that they, they kind of cheer for separately at Big Ten Network. And we were talking – the days of saying, hey, man, in three years we're going to be good are done because you never know who's going to be here. So I do think, hey, retaining your – you put so much work to getting people here. If they're guys you want in your program, you need to work to keep them here. Or if you feel like, hey, they might not be there now, but, man, in one or two years, this guy's going to be a good player. So you need to work to keep them here. I, I think that's that's good. Um, so when it comes to retention, on the downside, people are always more upset on the downside. But I will say it often gives times – it gives players an opportunity to play more. If you're winning all the time – you don't get to play much, but if, Hey, you're losing, Hey, there's a chance for you to get some reps. And I think for the most part, we've seen the highly touted guys in this class, then make an effort to get them on the field at some, at some way they've, they've earned it. And if you're highly touted, if, if you weren't highly touted, chances are you're not going to have a, a ton of transfer portal interest, right? You were a three-star guy. You showed up, you red shirt. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, you're not going to have a ton of people. Maybe some coach transferred somewhere else and would get you, but I don't see that being a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, Fagan's played a huge role. Elzy uh, has gotten his opportunities. Kareem, Zach Toby, like those guys, I, I'm really high on uh, of what they right. could do and how they can develop. Yeah, uh, so they've got their chances. It's not like they're not playing. I mean, for those guys, it's like, well, am I going to be in a better position by going somewhere else? Probably not if I play as a freshman some solid minutes. Bond asks, should star players, depending on position, stay in school longer, risking injury, wear and tear, miles, et cetera, to earn more NIL money? I think this goes, Jay, to, to a couple of players on this roster who have extra years of eligibility. Isaiah Williams, uh, is he going to be drafted? I got my doubts, right? Um, Keith Randolph has had injury issues this year. Seth Coleman maybe hasn't put, put together the year. So for these guys with extra years of eligibility, uh, the NIL dollars, how do you think it plays in the, the role here? So good question. So let's let's take it just an extreme example. I've seen some stuff that people say Caleb Williams shouldn't shouldn't play the, the rest of the year. I mean, because they've lost two games and whatnot. So it's like he's just going to make so much money, which I'm not necessarily guaranteed. I think the hype on him is just un, unbelievable. I mean, one one scout said that they had him ranked as the eleven, or not a scout. One one media person had him as the eleventh bank the eleventh best ranked quarterback in the NFL. As a scene, I'm just like, these people are just, they say stuff. It just makes me go crazy. I'm just like, really? Like guys are taking a step as if like, you're not going to have the same problems of every other rookie quarterback, but right. Hey, great, 
Great question. I totally understand. I think it's always unique. Uh, I don't think you can really understand someone until in life in general, just in life, but also in football, if you don't understand their story, right? You got to know where people come from and we all come from different spots, right? And so uh, some of those guys sitting out of the bowl game uh, last year, I don't blame them at all from if you, if you know their story, right? Are you blaming Witherspoon at all for sitting out of the bowl game when he probably was banged up with the hamstring number one, we think, uh, that got probably banged up in that Northwestern game. And now he's one of the best rookie corners in the league, maybe maybe one of the better corners in the league already. It's just it's a very small little piece, right? On that, yeah, and, and you're telling the Brown brothers, like, hey, risk it all. Risk it all for this bowl game that, listen, yes, it kind of matters for Illinois, but it really doesn't. I mean – and, and guys that overcome so much, right, yes. in, in the Brown brothers. So you have to look at it from that perspective. So I, it's, it's a very bond I wish that I could give you, like, you know, some some very, you know, uh, specific answer. But I think it's always unique. Um, and so, like, for a guy like Keith Randolph, I believe this is Keith's fifth year in school and yep. he has the COVID year. Um, and the same with Isaiah, I believe, as well. And Seth, um, yeah. And Seth. Like, if I'm Seth or anybody on the defense other than Johnny Newton and I could play another year, I probably would. Johnny has been exceptional. Johnny should go and that that's done. But, but like Keith is a guy who's, I mean, he was productive from a, uh, he plays extremely hard. Okay. So he plays extremely hard. That's why he was one of the leading tacklers as a defensive tackle. Um, but he's been banged up and you know, when you're banged up, whether you like it or not, you do lose draft status. It, it is what it is. I mean, they're making an investment in the health of you. So, and for Seth Coleman, I think, hey, maybe stay. Isaiah Williams, here's the thing. I go back and forth on Isaiah because Isaiah is having a productive year. Uh, he does fit a very, very good niche role in the NFL, the slot receiver and punt returner, two roles that are, are needed. He's shown ability there. Um, I feel like he's gotten better every year at receiver. Um, remember, this is I think this is his third year playing receiver. Um, so can he get better? I think he's the guy that's going to really have to evaluate, can I get better? Could I get into the mid-rounds? Maybe I'm a late-round undrafted guy. I don't know. Um, I, I think he'll be great combine-wise as far as agility stuff. Probably not top-end speed. Right. But, you know, he's a guy I think you'd have to really think about. He means a lot to this team from a leadership perspective too, but he might be ready just to move on in general. Correct. Right. I mean, I think there's some guys who are like, I'm, I'm done. You know, I know there were some players in the big 10 last year, Penn state, Michigan, they really wanted to come back for they, Penn state, Michigan wanted them to come back for a sixth year might've helped them, but, but they were done. And th- that can be the case too. Yeah. That's where uh, I think Illinois is going to have these conversations. They are valuable. Those three guys are very valuable to Illinois next year. Uh, Steven asks, ask Jay if the Illini broke Maryland like they did with Wisconsin last year. What do you well, make of that? Certainly look like uh, looks like a different football team Maryland does uh, over the past ever since Ohio State second half. So I don't say know if Ohio State broke them or we broke them, but uh, defensively this was a, this is a school that we talk about their offense. We know about their offense, but they're defensively they had given up twenty one points or less like seven straight games until that Ohio State game, and then Illinois scored more than twenty one, and Northwestern scored more than twenty one. And um, defensively, they haven't been great. They haven't been great in two-minute scenarios either, either two-minute offense, two-minute defense the last three games. And when you don't play good in critical situations, think about Illinois and Wisconsin. 
Uh, they played great against Maryland in two-minute situation, and Wisconsin, awful, right? They get in, And they played awful most of the year in two-minute situations. When you don't play good in those t- situations, you more often than not end up losing close games, and that's what happens, right? Because those games that are close are decided in those two-minute situations. You've heard us talk about home field apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with Home Field because their designs are the best out there. Some of Illini Enquirer's favorites are the Basketball Ringer Tee, the Rose Tee, and the 1980s Long Sleeve with the Script Illini. It's great. Be sure to check out homefieldapparel.com, filter by Illinois, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Illini23. Using that code Illini23 gets you 15 percent off your first order we all know you're wearing a line eye gear so if you're in need of a refresh we really think that you should check out home field apparel which has the best designs and these shirts guys are really comfortable their designs are super unique and a lot of thought goes into each concept there's really nothing else on the market like what home field is doing you can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use code alini 23 for 15 percent off your first order at homefieldapparel.com Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Benji asks, if you were AD, what would be your highest priority for renovations and changes to Memorial Stadium? That's a good question, Benji. Um, I, I have this dream that someday they will finish out the south side of the end zone, right? And they'll create a tunnel under under Kirby or Florida, whatever you want to call that street. That's just south of the of, of the of the uh, stadium. And not only do they finish that south end, but they make a whole athletes hall that connects State Farm Center to the uh, to Memorial Stadium. And there's a corridor and stuff like that where all the athletes can can eat. Everybody comes there. And during game day, uh, it's a time where people can congregate, have fun, much like the colonnades is as well. Uh, there's no way um, just from an infrastructure standpoint, they can cut off Kirby as a street in Champaign-Urbana. It's a main thoroughfare between Champaign and Urbana. And uh, there's no way they can do it. That's why I think you need to even expand the street, maybe make a tunnel, right? So it goes over that. So mm-hmm. I would think... For me, uh, when you talk about renovations and changes, I'm a football guy, so that's what I would shoot for. But I, I, I get, you know, a lot of harassment because I don't get enough love to the basketball team who just beat Kansas and Bill yeah. Self in a, in a number one exhibition. So uh, against number one uh, Kansas, so I'm, I'm, I want to give them some love too. I think those are your two marquee programs, and so I think that'd be an interesting thing to do. Do I think moving the students? I was, I was playing when they actually moved yeah. the students from the east side over. Um, you know, some people like that, the, the, the end zone seats, some people don't, 
hey, if we can move a, if we can move a portion of them, but first we got to fill the stadium with the guys that we have now, rather than let's move the students. Yeah, one thing I, I would love, and I don't know how realistic or feasible this is, I'd love to get fans closer to the field. I'd love to get them on top of the field because you get it at Iowa, you get it at Nebraska. I remember talking to Josh Whitman first time I went to Nebraska, and he loved that. that the fans were right on top of the field. So I don't know if they can lower the field. There's there's issues of 100-year-old stadium, right, Jay? But I, I just think yeah. that's a difference. I, I think this is a good stadium. I just wish the fans were more on top of it. Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, if you go to Michigan State, they have very similar walls and kind of a layout but their walls are like eight feet, nine feet tall, meaning they lowered that those walls, they, the, the field's been lowered, it looks like six or seven feet. And that would open up those bottom rows to be able to, to, to and you could maybe put even more rows closer, right? And make the sidelines. Now, supposedly there's drainage issues and whatnot. I'm, I, don't, I don't know if that's true or not. One thing I do love about the stadium, and, and you'll know this, like when you go to Michigan, Michigan Stadium doesn't, the big house doesn't look impressive from the outside. It's so dug into the ground, right? Yep. And I think Illinois has a very – the great stadium boom of the – you know, Dave Revson is like a – he wrote the book on college football. I mean, so he literally, it, yeah. he literally wrote a book. And so there's the, the great stadium booms of the 1920s where, you know, right before the Great Depression, money was easy and, and um, they were building lots of stuff. And so they did a great job with Illinois getting that stadium – uh, but, and I think it, from an exterior point of view, I remember Joe Paterno said it was his favorite stadium, right? I mean, it, it has a unique look. It's certainly uh, Ohio State's, I put it on par as far as the look, it looks from Ohio, it looks good. Like Ohio State looks from the outside, you know, Penn State's doesn't look good from the outside. Wisconsin kind of. set. Director said that yeah, yeah. uh, Minnesota's up there for me. I think Minnesota's looks great from the outside. Yeah, they did. They, they, yeah. they did a good job. Right. Um, I mean, Memorial stadium in uh, Lincoln, they've done a good job fixing yeah. that up. Um, so um, Kinnick doesn't look that impressive from the outside, but they've done a good job of getting fans, you know, on top of you. Ross, they doesn't look that, that impressive, but now they've fixed up the South end and they're doing a good job filling it up. Even though they're two yeah. and five, every time I look on it, it feels like they're filled up with it. So, yeah, I, I would point people to Purdue, what they did in their south end zone. I think that'd be great at Illinois. Yeah. They, got, they got people on top of it uh, as well. Um, let's see. If you could change, Jack asked, one thing about Illini football, we did the stadium, but uniforms, coaches, play style, what would you change? A lot a of people record? ask me, Jay. A record or winning or lifetime winning record? <laughs> Go ahead. A lot of people ask me about play style. Um, you know, when – Illinois was mid 2010s. Like I just went to like Dino Babers. Give it, give Illinois an identity. Somebody like that that just brings Illinois an identity. Purdue's had that for years. Like you know what you're getting out of Purdue. Illinois hasn't had that. They just haven't had that consistent identity. Obviously, with Bielma, you're looking for the Iowa, Kansas State, Wisconsin thing. Yeah. So that's a that's a great question, and I I think the play of identity is play style. Like I, I got to watch um, Kansas Oklahoma this week, and um, you know. Jalen Daniels, the only game he's played is Illinois, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> but but this other guy, Bean, is actually pretty pretty good. And, you know, um, again, you turn on a game in the Big 12, sometimes the SEC, it just seems like there's so much space out there. It's just like guys are running wide open and stuff like that and spread out. And um, I would make the argument that good football teams do everything. I'd make the argument that in the 80s, Illinois was a pass-happy Mike White were throwing the ball over the yard and they had an identity behind that. Um, I think it, it, you know, when we were good, we were, listen, we got four plays on offense 
but we're going to run them really good. And in 2007, we're going to do the zone, the zone read, the option, the option pass. And, you know, we're going to make you stop the run. And we're going to be, you know, we're not going to be an offensive dynamo, but we're going to run the ball to spread it, lead the Big Ten in rushing in 2006, 2007. So I do think the identity is a big piece. They're still trying to kind of find that as they're trying to mix in some of Brett stuff and some of Barry stuff as we talked about in other questions. Um, I, I Here's the deal. On the play style stuff, yeah, I think that could be one thing. The stadium, the uniform, the coaches, all that stuff. I think for us, I, I, if I could change one thing, though, it'd be um, just the and – and this is me. This is me talking to myself – is the overall apathy and skepticism of the here we go again in the yeah. fan base. And I think if we can change that, everything else will, ha will happen, right? But it's going to take a great leader, and maybe that's Brett. I hope it's Brett to change that mindset. Because I think in those years that we've done good things, whether it's Ron Turner's year or, or, or Mike White or, you know, uh, the 2007 season, we've changed that mindset to be like, we're good. We're getting players. We're competent. We're beating people. And whenever we have that, we saw that in 2022, we have an uprising that, oh my gosh, these dormant fans are alive. But until we get that mindset out of our head, and it starts with the product on the field, mindset and the players and the product on the field, not making the same mistakes and being consistent. You ever watched an Ohio State game? Uh, they have a mindset that they're going to find a way to win no matter what. Mm -hmm. I mean, that might be the toughest team to kill in the Big Ten. You think they're dead? They're never They're never dead. They'll be down like two scores. You, you know, you turn it on – Eight minutes later, they're up a score with a minute left. You're like, what? Right? And that's part of it's talent, but part of it's a mindset. I would argue that Penn State doesn't have that mindset. I, I you know, I, I would say that Penn State is recruited pretty darn close to that level, but they don't have the mindset of Ohio State that we own this place and we're the best. So anyway, I, I think that's a big part of it. I think as fans, we I'd love to change that. Yeah. Just a handful more here, Jay. This is really good stuff. Uh, Tent asks, as a former player, what is your take on the Michigan Sandal, especially to those players who have recently played the Wolverines and those who will play them soon? Uh, would a player be extra motivated? Yeah, so I don't know if players would be necessarily extra motivated. I was never a guy that needed extra motivation. Like for me, I had 48 games guaranteed. That was it. It was heartbreaking to lose a game, as Johnny Newton saw, to get kicked out of the game or lose half a game. To me, I don't need motivation. You might say I might come out flat or whatnot. I've never tried to come out flat in my life. Maybe I made some mental errors and got in my head a little bit. For me, I've just always been a self-starter. I didn't have a choice not to be a self-starter. I couldn't go out there and be like that. So for me, the motivation is my take on the scandal is this. It seems to be a lot more. It seems to be a lot deeper than we originally maybe had thought. Right. Um, I do think that Matt Rule made a tremendous point not talking about the scandal in general, but if I go to my local high school team, uh, they I, I saw the defense come off, go underneath a tent, and had a flat screen TV plugged in in which they watched the previous drive that they just did. Literally filmed it in and said, okay, here's the mistakes you made, right? You go to the NFL, we got tablets all over the place. We got in-helmet in, in communication. And Matt Rule said, we've got communication at any, at any decent high school, we've got electronics. In NFL, it's all electronic. And yet in college, we, we can't even have pictures on the sideline of, of what plays look like. We don't have any iPads down there. We're not looking at screens or anything. We're trying to signal everything. So I do think the time has changed that we do need 
to just instead, as Matt Brule said, we have rock stars on pictures and random things to try to disguise things. This feels like the impetus for that change. Right? I, it, it does. It yeah. does. It does feel like it's. Excuse me. It does feel like it's leading to that. Um, here's the deal: a rule's a rule. I'm going to quote PJ Fleck as he, uh, you know, talked about last week. They asked him about the the punt with Cooper DeGene. I don't know if you guys saw that play, the invalid fair catch. And he said, "There's nothing to there. There's 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 really nothing to argue about. A rules are rules. Offsides, offsides. You know, and and holding's a holding. And obviously, we know there's more. But you know, PJ was kind of fighting for his team in that. And I will say this: as much as we might not like it, a rules are rule that you can't go buy tickets for you or someone else to go film someone giving signals. Matt Rule and Brett Bielema had no problem." admitting in interviews that we steal signals during games all the time and everybody does it. It's well known yep. that everybody's, and you can look over and do it. And there's, there's no way to stop that. They had no problem. The thing is, is it's been a rule for a while that you can't go and film signals. You can't go scout during the season in person. And those are the rules. Okay. And if those are the rules and they were, and they were broken, you have to enforce them because if you don't enforce them, what does that say about your rules? What's right? the point of the rules? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we're a nation of laws, Jay. We got to follow them. We, we got to follow the law. I mean, it is a rule. So, I mean, like, is there going to be consequences? Well, yeah, there's going to be consequences if they find out that they that they did this. And it, it seems from the little streams of information that we get, which we certainly don't have any kind of official word, that there it was, it was a lot more sophisticated – uh, than maybe some initially thought. Yeah. All right, Ron, speaking of rules, how do we change the targeting rule to make it closer to the NFLs? Um, and do you have camp brand tool stories? We'll get to that in here in a little bit. But targeting rule, Jay, do, do you make any changes to it? Um, so I would make a change to the penalty uh, as far as uh, – I'm, I'm actually not upset about how the penalty is called uh, at all, although I feel, I feel like it's very defensive-centric other than a blindside block for the offense, you'll rarely see a ball carrier actually get called for lowering his head when sometimes he does lead with the crown of his head. So um, I would change it. So if a ball carrier led with the crown of his head and had, and had contact, you know, anywhere, maybe not, maybe not to the head or neck of somebody, but led with his head down and hit somebody for his safety. Maybe that would be it. So that'd be a change. The penalty itself, as far as what the actual, what, what the actual penalty is, is it 15 yards? Is it 20 yards? Is it whatever it may be? I would change that to maybe a um, a 25-yard penalty and not sitting somebody out, a 30-yard penalty not sitting somebody – or maybe let the guy sit – the guy has to sit out for five plays or or ten yeah. plays or something. Don't make him sit out for well, like Johnny Newton. I think that's the mistake. Yeah. Nick, what hurts the Big Ten West teams moving forward, the newcomers coming into the conference or the elimination of divisions? That's a good question. Um, so remember – the, the the 83 team played everybody that was tough, right? I mean, they played they were the only team in the in the in the in the history of the Big Ten to win all games to get to, go, to run the table in the Big Ten, okay, in one season. Uh we played Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, right? Um so I think I, the newcomers coming into the conference are going to have a bigger change than the guys that are actually here now, Jay. Like, I, I think Oregon is well-equipped with how yeah. they play. Yeah. Those other schools are going to have a, a big – like USC. So here's the thing. It's going to be a big we, change. We, we, this, was really the first, this was really the first weather weekend I thought it affected stuff. We saw two or three fumbles. Well, I was watching 
Purdue, Nebraska. They couldn't hold the ball. They couldn't hold onto the ball or throw the ball for the first quarter. Well, Nebraska can't throw the ball anyway, but that but they they were fumbling a bunch. We had a bunch of fumbles in the Michigan State Minnesota game. It was wet. It was dreary. Think about the Rutgers Michigan State game two weeks ago. It was pouring rain. Listen, I, I, it looks all great throwing the football and everything, but you've got to be able to run the football when it comes down to it. I don't know if Washington, USC, U, UCLA, like you said, are equipped to do that. But but I will say this. Or on the flip side, Oregon and Washington look like far superior teams than anything in the in the West. Yeah. Anything in the West. So um, that and there, there, will, there will be no West next year. But that they're being added into, yes. Do I think it affects the West some? Uh, the current West Division teams, yes. But I, I think it's a, a change of pace of play too for those other teams as well coming into the division. Uh, any camper and tool stories? Camper and tool. Um, well, the fan marker in, which is now, I think, believe the quarters in and suites, just a legendary place, right? The first off, um, the, 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 the food was always, uh, was always interesting out there. I, I don't know who would make it or whatnot, but it was, it was always interesting. The smell in the, the makeshift locker room, they removed the whole weight room out, uh, out there from Champagne. The smell in that locker room was pretty brutal. All the ice tubs had to be made fresh after every practice. We're talking 20 ice tubs. We're just talking ice after ice after ice after ice. Um, some stories. Um, so it was always a highlight, always a highlight about mm, get past the two-week mark in camp. And Zook had this thing where he would do backwards practice, where you get in this, you get in this mode of like, always doing individual first and then special teams. Well, he would just say, we're going backwards. We're just going straight to full out team full contact, just crazy stuff. And we were all go crazy because it's like, you know, it was, it was the most fun. So it wouldn't be uncommon that he would, would be going through warmups and he would blow the whistle and say backwards practice, you know? So we, uh, he blew the whistle one time. Said, Everybody come here. Like he was mad or something. He's like, all right. You got five minutes to go to your swimsuit. I'm going to the water park. Go. And we just go, ah! So think about it. You got a two and a half hour practice at 90 degrees. You're like day 17. Little stuff like that. It's like, man, just yeah. just, just throw me a bone. Um, just break so, up the monotony there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, it broke it up. And um, that was exciting. What else What else could I tell you about Camp Tool? Um yeah, I, I remember staying with Matt Sinclair my first my first year. That was always interesting. Who he got roomed up with that was that was always fun. Um, I think what I remember too is, for me personally, I didn't know that when you're first a player, you tell people about injuries that you have, and so um, I just hid this blister that I got. Oh, well, it's just a blister. And this thing got so raw my my, my freshman year that. I couldn't put any kind of shoe on for like a week mm. in the back of my heel. And they ended up, I played against Florida A&M, my redshirt freshman year with half a shoe on that they taped on. Cause I couldn't have, I cut, they cut the back half off just so my heel could heal basically. And uh, I learned that you actually tell the trainers, Hey, I'm actually banged up. But for me, I was so nervous about losing my spot right. that I just played through it. Um, there's all kinds of things that I could, I could share. None of it really bad, but I don't even know with 2023 standards, you never know how much you can share. <laughs> That's right. Uh, another trip down memory lane as we wrap up here, Jay, what was your favorite memory from the Rose bowl season? Any behind the scenes stories uh, from some of those big wins, Lucas? 
Yeah. So I, I remember uh, we played Wisconsin. They had a guy, I think his name was Chris Presley. He was their fullback. He was one of these 275 pound fullbacks, like playing Lyman. And they had just, I mean, they had hyped it up to us all week. This guy's going to big boy in. Zook would always say, play Wisconsin, bring your big boy pads, blah, blah, blah. And they ran a lead play the first play of the game. And I will tell you, Antonio Steele, all 210 pounds of them, just decided we knew it was a lead play. And he just like, if it's a lead play, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go as hard as I can and just blow the guy up. And all 210 pounds did blow him up. And I think that kind of set blew up uh, the 275 pound Chris Presley. I think that stat set the standard for the rest of that game. Um, I do remember um I actually another injury during that game. I in the first quarter, I, I, I hit my hand and I just, it, it hurts so bad. I, if you asked me to hold this cup like this, I couldn't hold it. Right. But if you're wearing gloves, they can't tell you're taped up. So they taped it up, gave me some medicine and stuff, taped it up and basically just kept my hand like that. My hand was just like that, but it's underneath the glove all the time. So if you saw me running, I was like, ah, 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 you know. <laughs> and so that was a little behind the scenes. I do remember I do remember also the hit on Luke Swan in that game, Justin Harris. If you go by and watch that game, um, Luke Swan, the, they called him the Finnemore Flash, one of Brett Bielema's favorite all-time players, number one for Wisconsin. They've always got one little uh, receiver that kind of runs around and goes deep. And uh, I was privileged to play with Kevin Mitchell and and, and uh, Justin Harrison, guys who, who I don't think would be able to play a full season this year because of the targeting rules. But uh, uh, they hit uh, – Luke Swan going across the middle actually ended Luke's career. Uh, he tore his hamstring because of hit the way that he fell and whatnot. But when I went to go look at Luke Swan uh, that time, and he was, he was, you can just tell his face, he was in a ton of pain and I felt bad for him, but it was a, it was a memory of um, how physical our safeties were. Now, for the Ohio State game, that didn't start great, okay? Let's just remember, that game started disastrous. Everybody got the call except one cornerback on our play. He'll go unnamed here. You guys can maybe fill in the blank on who the corner was that got the call. We're all running uh, a certain coverage in which it's zone to one side and man on the backside. He was man against uh, current offensive coordinator Brian Hartline, actually, and for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He was man. He did not get the call. So he doesn't get the call. It's like it's like probably a 70-yard play, and then they score one play later. And then I come off the field, and Zook's just furious at me, just furious at me. I mean, just like, how in the world are we? did we not get the call? Because as a middle linebacker, it was my responsibility to let everybody else know the call. And, you know, although 10 guys got it, the 11th guy didn't get it. And so it was on me uh, that, uh, you know, and so it's not a great way to start a game against them. Um, but again, you can't let the, the, the mental capacity of, you know, as a freshman, I would have wilted under that and said, oh my, I can't believe I made a mistake. I, at that point I was like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we um, obviously went on to play. They scored 14 points, I think in the first six minutes. And then we, we came back, obviously Daniel Dufresne uh, had that big run, rest in peace, Daniel Dufresne. Yeah gone too soon, but uh, probably should have been reviewed for a fumble. Could have been a touchback on that play. Um, and then I, I remember us just, I remember us just being so, I was so locked in on the tendencies of a Jim Trussell team, not only from last year, but look, I remember, I still remember this day, Hey, one back in the backfield running situation, 
going to be in 12 personnel. It's only one of two plays. It's a one back power. The guard's going to pull or it's going to be a draw. So the moment I, I see one back, I'm going to check that left side guard and see, does he look light in his stance? He did look in his stance, got two tackles for a loss because of that. In the red zone, uh, we knew they liked to do the jailbreak screen to Brian Hartline. DeRay Hicks tells me, hey, alert jailbreak, alert jailbreak. I think they're on the 18. If you go back and look at the clips, um, we know it's a jailbreak just by the lineup and make a tackle for a loss on, on Brian Hartline. So just the, pre- the preparation. And then, um, you know, kind of in no man's, I was in no man's land on that pick with, uh, with Todd Beckman, who was the quarterback. Uh, we're lucky to get a hit on that. And Antonio Steele made that pick. That was really a key moment in that game as they were taking momentum back. And I remember the frustration of the Ohio State offensive line that they just couldn't run the ball at will like they had against everybody else. Uh, so that was palpable, their frustration and the frustration from their side when they couldn't get off the field uh, with that eight minute and 30 minute, 30 second drive. So that's some inside stuff for you, maybe not get from people. Well, other people. well and then the iconic picture, Jay, you on the shoulders. Oh, yeah. So, so that picture, that's actually my roommate, Mike, where my, Mike actually played his first two years at Wheaton College, decided he wanted to play at a, a bigger school, walked on. And uh, the story was uh, I, I was living with seven guys, I was living with Chris Norwell. Uh, Juice, Kevin Mitchell, and, and some other guys on the team. And we had a dog called Oski Bow Wow. And Oski Bow Wow was not really taken care of much by seven guys. I do feel bad for all you animal lovers. I, I do have a dog now. I've, I've learned a lot better. But I think we had one of our, one of my teammates' girlfriends took care of him and fed him. But, but we didn't pay much attention other than that we showed off that we had this dog called Oski Bow Wow. And so Oski Bow Wow um, basically was... Um, our, you know, our house mascot, we lived in a house called Fort, Fort Monk. And, yep. um, and what ended up happening was um, my roommate, the Mike Ware transfers didn't have anywhere to live. We're like, well, you, you can live with us, but you got to live in Oski's room. And he just poops in the room all the time. And so I said, if you clean it, you can, you can stay there. He cleaned probably 200 pieces of poop out. My, my wife hates that story because it's disgusting. Right. <laughs> um, so I still drive by the house on first street sometimes yep. about that, but he moves in. He actually earned a scholarship his senior year. We win that game. He taps his shoulders like, get on my shoulders. I'm like, no, no, there's probably like 75 Illinois fans in this little nook of like, I don't know if it's the south end zone of the one of the end zones. Anyway, he's like, get on my shoulders. So finally, I let me on my shoulders. He picks me up and just starts screaming. And then, you know, somebody takes a picture uh, of that and uh, was actually voted one of the more iconic photos of, of, of Illinois football. So yeah. that that's how that happened. Here's an inside scoop on that is that before that happened, I ran down to the other side of the field, which is where the player's family tickets were given. And I went and I went to my wife who was playing volleyball in Illinois, Katie. And that was the first time I told her I was euphoric that I loved her. And so I told her after the Ohio state game that I loved her. And I, um, that was the first time. So I give you some sappy stuff. I give you all the, there's a lot of stuff going on in that moment that just, you know, yeah. when you don't play, you don't. When you don't have to play for the last eight minutes of the game, you got a lot to think about. What am I going to do? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. That's right. <laughs> oh. Thanks, thanks, Juice. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. Two more, Jay. Why is his name a single letter, not a full name? Well, let me wipe off my camera. I feel like I'm a little uh, <laughs> foggy there. Oh, there we go. I think that's better. Uh, why is my name a single letter? So, a g- good question. So, my, first off, my name is Jeremy. For those that don't know, okay, um, Jeremy Warner will tell you this: that uh, his mom thought that name was probably unique. 
And then when, when I went, when I, she's, my mom thought it was unique. And then my graduating class at Champaign Central High had four Jeremy's. Wow. So it, be, it became a sexy name in the eighties. It's now on the band list and been replaced by Owen Carson and Aiden and all these cool, cool ones, right? For guys. So if you're naming your kid Jeremy today, you're probably not in the popular name list. Okay. That being said, I had an older brother named uh, Jonathan. He went by JD, Jonathan David. And then my other brother went by AJ. And um, he was Andrew James. So they, they wanted to go by initials. I was Jeremy Jacob and I went by JJ. But my dad would get so confused. He'd be like, JD, AJ, JJ, AJ, JJ, AJ. And, and he got so confused. He got mad one day. He's like, that's it. You're just going to be Jay. So I go to school. I write my name, J-A-Y. And the parents come to class and whatnot. And um, this is probably fourth or fifth grade. My, my dad comes in and I was like, why do you write your name J-A-Y? I, like, oh, I, I, I just, that's what I thought people like do. He's like, no, we just go by initials. Just put the, just put the letter J. And um, so then I just started putting, putting J without a period, without anything, really threw people off. Still yeah. throws people off to this day um, that don't know me. And, and I've had teammates that I played with for five years. Like, wait a second, your your name's your name's Jeremy because everything is documented that I'm that I'm Jay and and on cards on everything and you can you can find official documents and obviously my license let's say Jeremy but um, most people just know me as Jay so that's the backstory. There's a lot of good backstories on this, man. All right, um, last one. Oh, is gotcha. Jay still a hyena? Uh, are we actually gonna listen to this or yes. just watching it? Yeah. At Illinois, it's we consider ourselves a pack of hyenas, really because uh, hyenas can kill the big king, king king of the jungle if they all pack up and, you know, jump on them. They can, the lion can't take on 11 of them. They're just ferocious because they're nasty. <laughs> 11 hyenas <laughs> playing on Illinois' defense. Oh. Love it. Okay, so I don't know where the accent comes from. I yeah. don't know if I was just trying to be funny or or the, the nasty kind nasty. of Nasty. I kind of had that, um, uh, you know, I kind of really wanted to be a hick a little bit. More so, kind of, and maybe I, maybe I've just been civilized a little bit. But yes, though, so, so I want to give full credit for the first time ever uh, on a live thing on, on where the hyenas thing came from. And really, I've gotten a lot of credit for it. It was really Tom Sims, the, the defensive line coach. He would, he would, he would say, uh, "So I have half. Yes, I am still a hyena. Ooh, uh, I don't know what hyenas do, but I just think of the hyenas. Tackle, well, don't they? Right? right. So Tom Sims, a great D line coach. He would say, "Listen, like." Hyenas are ruthless. Nobody wants to mess with hyenas. Like they can attack the king of the jungle and, you know, kill him. And uh, if they all game together, so like this is a perfect analogy. And you know, now that I'm now that I'm in media stuff, you just live for stuff that gives something yes. that gives you something other than a milk toast answer. Like other than the coach speaks, so I was like, yeah, we're like pack hyenas. We might not be the best. We might be the, the king of the jungle, but if we all get together, you know, and act like hyenas, we can take down the king of the jungle. And they, th these producers, they loved it. They just loved it. Before I got on there, Tassioner's like, I'm combing your hair. Because I came in, it was, it was just like, I'm combing your hair. You're doing this. And then I said that, and they were like, that's incredible. We, we <laughs> got so that's the hyena story. Yeah, awesome. Well, Jay, this was a lot of fun. Appreciate everybody sending these questions. They did a better job than I ever would. So appreciate them sending it in. And thanks for playing a part in this, man. Uh, we'll talk about an actual football game next week. But this oh, was yeah, fun. lots of fun. ILL.
This episode of the Illini Enquirer podcast is presented by Underdog Sports. We see a lot of you are downloading Underdog Sports, using the promo code, and having fun, which we love to see. If you haven't already checked out Underdog Sports, be sure to do so. It's super easy to use. You go on the app, go pick whether favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total than what is listed. For example, Travis Kelsey, he's very popular these days. If his number is set at 50 receiving yards, and you know Taylor Swift is in the house, you may feel confident he's going to go way higher than the number. Do that with two to five different players and you're in business if you go five for five you can 20x your money so sign up today with promo code Illini and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and don't forget to register with promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 there are a lot of fantasy companies out there but we decided to partner with underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports it's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry you must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer ixl learning is an online learning program for kids it covers math language arts science and social studies ixl is designed this program will improve your kids grades studies done in almost every state in the country the kids who had ixl are consistently doing better powered by advanced algorithms ixl gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality and it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Great stuff, as always, from Jay Lehman. He is the good, isn't he? Those great stories, great answers, great insight, and uh, we get him every week. And next week we'll talk about a, a big trip to Minnesota, one of the stats I found really interesting about this game. Brett Bielma is 9-0 as a head coach against the Gophers. And the Gophers don't do a lot of things that just wow you. But P.J. Fletch just has a really good program. And they kind of do what I think Brett Bielma wants to do, which is ball control, complimentary football, time of possession. They win it. They grind you. They're physical. And they don't make a ton of huge mistakes. Now, they will every once in a while, and that leads to a couple losses. I don't think, obviously, they're a top-tier team in the Big Ten, but they've kind of found their home in that middle. And uh, that's not a bad place to be when you've been a program that struggles for so long, and that's kind of where Illinois has been trying to establish itself, and it feels like they have. I mean, they beat Minnesota in back-to-back years. Illinois hasn't beat Minnesota in three straight years since 93-95, another great stat from the uh, Illinois SID office this week. So um, it's... It's not a big game in the grand scheme of college football, but for Illinois football season and to try and get back to a bowl game, which I, is obviously the goal now over these last four games, is to win three of them. I think this is the one you got to win. Because, listen, we can make all the jokes we want about Iowa that's finally going to have a new offensive coordinator. It's announced today with Brian Ferentz on his way out after the season. That's a really hard game in Iowa City. It's a different kind of atmosphere in Iowa City compared to Minneapolis. I love Minnesota's football stadium, but that it's just not as intense of an atmosphere as Iowa. And that defense is really, really difficult. And that special teams is really, really good. And 
Uh, I think it caused a lot of problems for Illinois' offense the way it's playing uh, for most of the season, and I just don't think they're going to make a ton of big mistakes. So Illinois can win that game, but I, I feel like this is the one that it seems, feels more gettable, which college football in the Big Ten West you should never try and predict since Minnesota beat Iowa last week. But uh, I just feel like this is this is one Illinois needs, and uh, it's going to be difficult with Johnny Newton out for a half, but it puts pressure on everybody else to make these plays. Illinois had an extra week to prepare. We'll see if that pays off for them after Minnesota had a really physical matchup against Iowa last week. All right, thank you for listening to the Line Acquire podcast. As always, rate us, review us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on the YouTube channel. That continues to grow. We appreciate all the support there. If you haven't already, subscribe to us, Line 24-7, Line Acquire at YouTube, and you can subscribe to us, hit the notifications bell. All that really helps us out. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Choir Podcast. Bye, everybody.